I'm Donica Contour, and this is Naptime Devotionals, Episode 6, To Keep Them in the Right Way, Studying Moroni, Chapters 1 through 6. Welcome to Naptime Devotionals, a come-follow-me study for busy moms. I'm Donica Contour, your host. I'm a mom of four kids, wife of a high school theater teacher, and my favorite show to binge watch is Murder, She Wrote. All right, the reading was pretty short, you guys. I did it in one night. <laughs> um, Moroni's first couple of chapters there are kind of sad short because he doesn't know if he is going to be alive, how long he's going to be alive. Also, warning during this nap time devotionals, um, there's only one child napping. The other two are playing in their room, so it's very possible you will hear them bounding around up there. Um, so let's jump straight into it. What do we learn about Heavenly Father and Christ from these chapters? Um, and I feel like one of the things, one of the main things that we learn throughout all of the chapters is that there is a proper order of things and that it must be followed, especially when you think about the sacrament prayers um, and then chapter three as well, where it talks about the proper order of um, the priesthood and how things work. And I think that's something to keep in mind that there is an order to all things. Um, because I think in life, I don't know about your lives, but especially in my life, it can just look kind of crazy. And, uh, and it's nice to know that there is order in the crazy. Um, and that even though, we can't always see it. Um, there is a proper order that things are done. Um, so that's nice. That's good. <laughs> um, so in chapter 2, verse 3, Christ speaks openly to all. This was something that really stuck out to me in this in this verse did. <clears throat> he speaks openly to all, but they must have open hearts to hear him. He talks to everybody, but... Um, the multitude heard it not, but the disciples heard it because they were prepared. They were ready to hear it. And so they did. Um, and I think that that happens lots of times in uh, the New Testament where we have all of Christ's life. And then throughout the Book of Mormon, there's been uh, several instances where Christ has spoken very clearly, um, but only the people who were prepared actually heard him. Everybody else was like, nah, I heard nothing. Um, so, okay. The next thing I really wanted to touch on you guys, I was kind of debating how I wanted to do this. I don't feel like I could touch these chapters and not talk about the sacrament prayers. Um, I, one of my favorite things to do because I'm an English major is to really just like sit and analyze and like, okay, well, what does this word mean? And what does that word mean? And how do we look at this? And how does understanding what these words mean change the way that I look at, um, this thing? Um, I did this, I got called into the young women's, um, <clears throat> when we first moved into this ward, not too long after. And one of the very first lessons I really wanted to do was taking the time to analyze the young women theme, because, at the time, we had three-hour church. We met every week, um, and the girls would just say 
the theme and just kind of rattle through it and like, okay, let's check, move on with our lives. And I'm like, do you know what you're saying? And I feel like sometimes we can get a little that way with the sacrament prayers. Obviously not all of us are the ones saying it. Um, but my husband made a really cool comment where he said, when you're a priest and you're up there and you're, you know, 16 years old, you're just trying to get it right. So you don't have to say it again. Um, because as a 16 year old, that's mortifying, right? That's so embarrassing having to say it again. And all of us that are adults are like, dude, that's life is sometimes we mess up and we get to say it again and that's okay. Um, and so he didn't really get ever have that experience as a priest blessing the sacrament to really think about what it was he was saying, but because of all the COVID and quarantine and stuff, um, he had the opportunity to bless the sacrament in our home with just me and our children. And he really was given that opportunity because he's like, it didn't, you're my family. If I mess up, that's okay. Like there's, nobody's going to laugh at me, you know? Um, and so it really gave me the opportunity to really think about how I'm saying this and what I'm saying. He's a theater teacher too. So he played with not play. I feel like that's an irreverent word, but you know, he, he used iambic pentameter on it or to change the emphasis of certain words to see how it felt, um, to, to emphasize different things than we typically do. And he said it was a really cool experience. So one thing I want to look at is what we're learning in the sacrament prayers. Um, and there's just a couple of parts that I really want to focus on. I I really hope you can't hear my kids making like monster noises at each other upstairs. If you can, I apologize. Um, and I warned you, I have kids. They're there. <laughs> They're very aware and alive and active. Okay. Um, so the very first thing that we learn in both of the prayers is God is our eternal father and his son is Christ, right? It's line number one. Now, this is the part that I really wanted to focus on is this concept of sanctify. And then it's either this bread or this wine, or as we say now, this water, um, sanctify to the souls of all those who partake of it. And I like, I don't know why I never looked at this before, but the idea of sanctifying to us is so foreign to me. Like, I feel like anytime we sanctify, right? Okay. So let's talk about sanctify for a second. Sanctify is to set apart or to declare holy or to consecrate and consecrate means to make or declare, right? And so we're, we're making this thing, we're saying this thing is different from this stuff that usually is, right? This is, this is bread and water essentially, right? This is very common. This is the foundation of nutrition in our society is bread and water, right? Like that's what it all comes down to. But we're sanctifying this. We're saying this is holy. This is different. Um, and we're setting it apart. And for me and my brain, typically I think of sanctifying things as being something you do for Heavenly Father, like making it worthy to be received by Heavenly Father, right? Um, you think, I think about like they, when they, when they dedicate the grounds, um, for a new temple or for a new church building, 
or um, every time I my dad was military when we were growing when I was growing up, um, and um, my husband does this as well. Every time we move into a new house, he says a prayer, like just a little kind of informal dedicatory prayer to sanctify the house in a sense that we may live there safely, um, that the spirit may be able to easily dwell there, right? If there's any kind of creepiness about it, it kind of gets that gone. Um, we lived in some old houses. Um, and so, and so I've always thought about this as like making it a space where heavenly father can exist, right? Temples, churches, our homes. I've never thought literally until doing this study about the fact that we sanctify, we set apart or declare holy to not heavenly father, right? But we're asking heavenly father to bless and sanctify either the bread or the water to the souls of all those who partake of it. That's us. We're making it holy for us. Well, we aren't making it holy. We're asking heavenly father to make it holy for us in the name of Christ. And then because my English brain couldn't stop there, I was like, okay, well, what does two mean? (laughs) I know, I know. Sit with me on this, okay? What does two mean? Let's look at some definitions of the word two, which just made this so much better. I'm not going to lie. So approaching or reaching, right? This is the idea of we're we're moving towards. um, Identifying the person or thing affected by um, or receiving something, right? Are you, are you affected by the sacrament? Do you receive the sacrament? Um, identifying a particular relationship between one person and another, which I like that one. I really love that one. This is probably, these last two are probably my favorite though. Okay. Indicating two things are attached or linked Right? So we're taking this thing, right? The bread and the water that we have been told represents Christ. We're asking it to be blessed and be set apart and made holy to us that we may be attached or linked to this now, right? And then the last one I feel is so pertinent, I guess. Placed before a debt entry in accounting. Now, I know that sounds lame, but think about how Christ is our debtor, right? We're the debtee. We, we owe the debt to Christ. Pretty sure that's the correct usage of debtor. If it's not, I apologize, and I'm going to blame it on pregnancy brain. Um, that's that's where we're at, right? We are, we're placed, it's placed before an entry Um, before a debt entry in accounting. And so the idea of this is being sanctified for you and, and it's going to help. I don't know. Does that make sense? I hope that makes sense. Um, so it's sanctified to the souls of all those who, um, may partake or may drink of it, depending on whether it's the bread or the water. So, right. So we've done all of this in order that we may, right. May being having the permission the opportunity. So we don't have to do it, right? They can pass the sacrament and we can be like, no, thanks. That's totally fine. Um, but so that we have these opportunities to eat in remembrance of Christ and to witness unto God, right? To tell God, Hey, 
I am willing to take upon the name of Christ. I will always remember him. I will keep the commandments. And I will do these things so we can have the spirit to be with us. Right? And I just, it changed the way um, I think about the sacrament prayers. And one thing that my husband said is, you know, it's interesting. We don't end the sacrament prayer within the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Because we start it with it we we start it within the name of Christ right um he goes there's as far as i know there's actually no like written rule that says you have to start by opening your prayers to god and end them by closing them in the name of Christ and so we were talking about how we noticed a lot of covenants like the baptismal covenant um the sacrament prayers start with Christ, with Heavenly Father, and then also we do this thing in the name of Christ, and then here's the stuff, right? Here's the rest of it. And then we end, amen. And I thought, how would it change the way that we pray if instead of, dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. I want this, this, and this. Thanks for these things. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Right? How would it change if instead of that, we said, Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Christ, and then talk about the struggles that you're having, the blessings that you need. Would it change? Does it change the emphasis for you thinking about, okay, what I'm about to ask, I'm asking for in the name of Christ? Because you do. Even even when you say the prayer, kind of our typical LDS way of, you know, Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. You're still asking in the name of Jesus Christ, but it just rolls a lot faster. And so I was thinking if we put it, the, and I'm not saying that we change the format of the prayers. I'm saying for your own personal self, think about that before you pray. And I, that's what I've been doing this last week as I've been studying this. And I feel like it's made such a difference in the way that I pray. And yes, I still have those prayers where I'm falling asleep and I'm just trying to get through my prayer so I can go to bed. Um, But it definitely, when I take that time to think about that, it changes the way that I pray. And I feel like it makes it so much more purposeful and so much just more. Okay. Um, I'm talking a lot on, not a little on, yeah, on a little, this is, this is how I roll guys. Okay. So what do we learn about the plan of salvation from these? Um, one verse particularly I wanted to point out was um, chapter 6, verse 8. It talks about, um, but as oft as they did repent and sought forgiveness with real intent, they were forgiven, right? These are the saints of the church. And I was thinking, how do you know, right? Like, how do, how do I know if somebody's coming to me and asking for forgiveness about something that they did to offend me or hurt me or whatever? So I was wronged somehow. They're coming to ask for my forgiveness. How do I know that they're doing it with real intent? Um, the reality is I don't. I have no idea. They could be really good actresses. Um, and I would have no idea. So my job is to forgive them and to treat everybody who asks for my forgiveness as though they have real intent because I don't know, right? I have no idea. Christ knows. He knows if somebody's just trying to pull the wool over your eyes or if they're genuine, but we don't. And I feel like as we forgive our debtors, 
or as we forgive our debt. Anyway, whatever the phrase is, I can't think of it right now, but as we forgive people, we will be forgiven and I want to be forgiven. And so I want to be a forgiver. Um, and so I was just thinking about that. Um, the next, the basic thing, honestly, all of these verses, all of the, all six chapters that I learned was every single thing is done for our benefit. Um, there's a quote by M. Russell Ballard. This is an eighties talk. You guys go look it up. 1988, April 1988, God's love for his children. So, so, so good. Um, this was one of the quotes I wanted to read. He says, I realized again that God created the earth in all its magnificent glory, not an, as an end in itself, but for us, his children. Indeed, we are his children, his offspring, and he is the father of our spirits. And I just keep thinking about how when I create things for my children, um, I, I, I want them obviously to take care of it and I want them to love it and I want it to bring them joy. Um, and I feel like, especially in the beginning of this whole 2020 (laughs) quarantine craziness, um, I heard loads of stories about certain areas of the world thriving because humans were in quarantine. We weren't out destroying things. And so many people use this as evidence that the world would be so much better off without humans. And I got to admit, we have not done our job as stewards of the land in many, many places. However, I will also say, I think the planet would be a really sad place without humans because even though it would be beautiful, right? There wouldn't be the pollution and the animals would run free and all the things. It would be purposeless, right? It would be a playground that stays in pristine condition because children never play on it and never break anything. And I just think of a playground that doesn't get played is just so sad. It makes me think of the toys in Toy Story, right? When what's-his-face Andy's going off to college and the toys are like, so what do we do now? (laughs) Um, You know, and I don't think that that's what Heavenly Father would want, right? He, He creates... Everything has a purpose, every single thing, which I want you to think about for a second because it's been a crazy year. It's been a crazy, shoot, it's been a crazy day for me. Um, And I think sometimes we feel like just one in a million, like, you know, we're just this little speck that we're not that important. What could I possibly have to bring to the world? And I say again, Heavenly Father does not create anything without a purpose. And that includes you too. Okay. So the last thing I want to talk about, um, in his talk, um, Elder Ballard tells a story about this kid with a computer and I'm, cause it's the eighties. So I'm thinking like, you know, this big old honking thing. Um, and the kid is so frustrated. The computer is not doing what he wants it to do. And he's like ready to, you know, take a hammer to it. And his dad is like, well, let's take it in to this local guy who sells computers and knows about computers. And they take it in. The guy's able to provide them with a manual. The kid sits down, reads the manual, is totally able to figure out the computer, has a fantastic time loving his computer, right? And then this is what Elder Ballard says. He who knows most about us has given us divine counsel and commandments in his instruction manuals, the Holy Scriptures, 
When we understand and follow these instructions, our lives will have purpose and meaning. And I'd like to add that our holy scriptures also include our personal patriarchal blessings. Um, And I feel like it's so easy to feel overwhelmed these days. You watch the news for like more than a minute and I swear, I feel like Chicken Little running around screaming the sky is falling. Um, But I just, I remind myself that none of what is happening right now is news to Heavenly Father. Everything is going exactly according to plan. We have access to the playbook. Remember, there is an order to all things. We have access to the playbook through our scriptures and we have constant guidance from the Holy Ghost. Um, we know that there's a purpose and an order to all things. As often as we repent, we will be forgiven as long as we repent with real intent, right? You can control what's in your own heart. Um, and we can continue to conduct our lives, um, with the power of the Holy Ghost. And I just wanted to add that we all have purpose. And if you're not sure what it is, get down on your knees and ask your heavenly father. And I promise that he will lead you to it. I will see you next week.